Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have an old friend of mine, Mark Williams, from well, now he lives in South St. Paul, uh, Minnesota, but we actually knew each other when we both lived in Austin, Minnesota, home of Hormel and Spam. Mark, why don't you come on in and introduce yourself? I know what you're doing now, but I think you're better at explaining it than I am. So I'm Mark Williams. I'm a controls engineer with Egan Company here in the Twin Cities metropolitan area. And yes, I'm from South St. Paul. And April said that we come from Austin, Minnesota, home of Hormel. And a funny story is, is that I settle in a town in South St. Paul, which is a former meatpacking town. <laughs> and Austin, Minnesota is home of the Austin Packers. And South St. Paul is home of the South St. Paul Packers. It never occurred to me that the Packers was rela- was related to packing meat. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and South St. Paul is on par population size with Austin, Minnesota. So I'm is very really? original in my, in where I settle. <laughs> <laughs> I know you just went through a move. Um, yes. We actually have uh, shared several interesting experiences. Um, we should go back into the before times before we, you know, settled down and had family. Um, we met more or less, I think, because we were both working with a youth church in Austin, mm-hmm. uh, kind of as like other adult leaders and like we'd chaperone, I guess, conferences and mission trips and things like that. Camp even. Did you ever do the camp? I did once. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I had to um, leave early to help my mom, uh, on a trip with my brother. So, okay. Uh, when we were living in Austin, um, I think your home was kind of close to the flooding areas. Like when Austin had mm-hmm. some bad floods and I remember yep. helping, I think your grandparents were flooded. Um, let's that see. year, 20, 2004, everybody was flooded. Yeah. It was <laughs> wild. Uh, we actually, the first time I ever came to Phoenix, Arizona, you were with, because we were flying back from, we had driven back from Tijuana, Mexico mm-hmm. with like a bunch of teenagers. Um, I think we were flying in and out of either San Diego or Los Angeles. Yeah. We flew LAX. out. We flew into San Diego, drove up to Los Angeles for the youth conference and right. then drove back down through San Diego to get to Tijuana. And then we flew out of San Diego to Phoenix. We were connecting. Where they were like, we have, um, I think that the flight wasn't oversold. It was that they needed to take like 12 passengers off because the planes needed more fuel because it was 115 degrees. And they they said, we need to take some weight off. Yep. So we need to take off passengers and like some luggage. And we, uh, was it eight of us that volunteered to come off? We got like vouchers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they gave us um, food vouchers and a hotel stay. And I think we had quite a few teenagers with us Um, that 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 helped us. Those vouchers that we all got helped us um, attend a wedding the following year. Uh, That was cool. So Mm -hmm. you were actually there the first time I ever went to Phoenix. And so later on, when I moved to Phoenix, I was like, I've been here before. This is familiar. (laughs) Um, What else? Oh, you, um, you were an aspiring movie maker at one point and I got to be in one of your movies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was a little bit of, I think hindsight. Uh, I was a little too ambitious on getting that produced. I should have taken my time a little bit more, but you know, you live and you learn. It was fun. 
we were all really young and it was really fun. Like it was kind of a community thing that brought a lot of people together. And yeah, it was something different. We're done it for months, really. You know, a yeah. lot of filming and script writing. And um, I had a very small part. I think it was about two minutes, but we still have a copy of that movie floating around somewhere. Yeah, we filmed that scene on the back on the back porch of the Eckerns old house. Right. The pastor. And yeah, that's right. It was you. Can't remember her name. And uh, yep. Jenny Laskowitz. Yeah. Emily. Yeah. yeah Someone Emily, else. That's her but name. There, there might have been three, four of us. But yeah, that was. Um... I avoid watching that film. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, a... I would do that different. I would do that. It's too distracting. I can't do it. It's kind of like that thing where it's awkward to hear yourself talking to. Exactly. Um, You know, well, even these recordings are kind of hard for me to watch and listen later. But, you know. It was a really cool experience, and we it was. We, we showed it in the cool Paramount Theater, which was really historic and, and beautiful. Yep. And they just had they just had finished remodeling it, and so it was one of the first things that they kind of got to do. So it's kind of neat. Plus, I did help my dad do some of the. We had donated some of our time doing plumbing in there to get it all mm. back, um, back up and and running. So that theater really, really got hit hard, bad in the floods too. I actually was crawling yep. through the crawl spaces with a wet vac and bleach, which is probably terrible for my health. Um, but spraying, you know, bleach into these um, crawl spaces just to try to make sure it wouldn't like it was like sewage water down there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we my dad and I helped with some of the the flood cleanup there as well. And, um, you know, it's interesting that theater has gone through several phases of life similar to to people you know it was a theater and then it was a movie theater and then it was a disco bar (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then it was abandoned for a long time and then um yeah then they had this restoration committee that brought back to being a theater and it's really beautiful they were wanting to tear it down and everything and people fought tooth and nail from what I remember trying mm-hmm. to keep it alive. And it's like, you know, you don't see theaters like that anymore. I mean, like the ceiling is unique because it has the stars, the star lighting in it. And that's mm-hmm. really cool. And they, they restored that and they restored the marquee. It's yeah, it's a Austin's um, got its issues, but it's a, it's a neat, it's, it's a town with a neat history. So that theater was so cool. I actually, at one point was like, I would love to get married there. Like it's, it's so gorgeous. <laughs> I actually have a friend who got married in a theater, very, very similar to it down in um, Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Oh, cool. Um, and it was the same thing. They had a fight to try to keep it. They had to fight to not tear it down. Yeah. Well, um, and then you got married and I, um, the, the weird story is that I moved out of my house and I moved south and you guys moved into the house that I had been renting. Um, and so you <laughs> yeah. lived in a couple of different places there in Austin for a few years before you headed up to the Twin Cities. Yeah. Um, yeah. Heather and I, we, I, 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 uh, I took a while to grow up and I've, you know, we made a lot of mistakes early on, but we survived, you know, we, bought a house way too early and yeah, we went through some growing pains and yeah. Um, so apartment house, that apartment you had then back to the house. And then we moved up to the twin cities and that's kind of where things kind of our lives kind of got rolling. 
So, and a few people that we knew down in southeastern Minnesota have also migrated up to the Twin Cities. So you've actually kept a lot of the same friend base. Yeah, it, well, it kind of went away for a while, and then um, once we got established up here, and we started noticing that people were settling up here, um, yeah, we reconnected. So uh, it's nice because you know, you start hanging out and you catch up, but like you kind of just step right back into it. It's, it's like riding a bike. We visited up in Minnesota a couple of years ago, I guess it would have been right before the pandemic. I think I flew up with the kids by myself and you guys, um, several of the old friends kind of got together and had a, I don't know if you would have called it a party when you got a whole bunch of kids and married people, but, um, (laughs) It was nice to just reconnect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what you're doing now. Um, I don't know what a controls engineer is. So you're going to, I mean, you've explained it to me, but why don't you explain <laughs> it to everybody and then remind me what that means? So what I do now is I do machine automation. So um, the, I don't work on any one specific machine. I work for a contractor. So whatever customers come to us, we provide them with their uh, industrial controls needs. So industrial controls means something in an industrial setting and it's the automated control behind it. So um, you have, typically you have somebody that, you know, works from a, an industrial computer that enters in like, Hey, let's start the machine. And then the program program that I write or work on um, automates that process. So a good example, like I, I got my start in this, in the dairy industry. So raw milk comes in and the manual part is connecting the milk trucks up to the plant And then it automatically is taken from the truck and put into silos. And then from the silos, it's automatically driven through the process and whatever that dairy plant does with the milk could be cheese making, um, protein powder manufacturing, just, you know, it's all an automated process and very little, uh, human interaction, um, besides just walking around, making sure everything's working correctly. So, and there's varying levels of automation in between there. Some of it, the automation is very limited and some of it's fully automated. And like in New Zealand, they have dairy plants where people are hundreds of miles away from the actual manufacturing plant working in a control center. And the only people that go into the plant are maintenance personnel when something goes wrong. Wow. So um, that's what I work on is automating machinery. Okay. So you said you started in the dairy. Is that where you still are now? Um, no. I. So I'm going to go back in time. I'm a plumber by trade. Nope. <laughs> I was born and raised in a plumbing family, fourth generation. Um, during the recession of 2008, I kind of got out of formal plumbing and then I inadvertently kind of got back into it. Um, 
in 2009, 2010, uh, in apartment maintenance. And I was just like, I am not happy. I was at a dead end, but it was the recession. So I joined the military. And when I got out of the military, um, I was hired as a field service technician with a company that worked in uh, the dairy industry primarily. And so with, with that job, I was traveling around starting up these big plants or doing um, pilot work on smaller plants. And I got a lot of experience exposure to industrial controls. So I basically had expressed interest to get into it. And then I realized I needed to go to school for it while being in field service where you're traveling, you can't really maintain a regular schedule of schooling and and everything. So I just kind of was like, well, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I got into another field service role where in that one, they basically handed me a computer and they're like, do you know what, how to work within these industrial controllers? They're called PLCs, programmable logic controllers. And I was like, yeah, I I have an idea of, of what they are. And they're like, you know, okay, well, here's your computer. We need you to go fly out here and start this up. And I'm like, okay. You know, <laughs> did it work out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, this is what I want to do. So, um, I was traveling 90% of the time at that time. And we had just had our third kid and my wife was like, I can't be a single mom anymore. <laughs> so, um, I'd maintained my plumbing license. So I basically, um, quit field service and jumped right back into plumbing because they were starving for plumbers at that time, which when I got out of plumbing, it was a complete opposite. It was a recession. There were thousands of plumbers out of a job. Mm-hmm. And here now they were looking for thousands of plumbers because a lot of those old plumbers had retired mm-hmm. or moved on to other work. And so mm-hmm. now they were looking for people. And so I was able to step right back into it, but I wasn't happy. It's not what I wanted to do. So coming from the military, had a post 9-11 GI Bill and took advantage of that Good. and quit plumbing and got my job working as an uh, engineering tech at um, a company that actually, so in, in the dairy industry, what I did was I was a, we worked in membrane filtration. So we would concentrate certain parts of a, of a liquid and remove certain parts of a liquid. So with milk, you usually concentrate down your proteins and pass lactose and water out. And then they can take that because you're removing the water. Now you can dry it a lot easier into a powder. Well, then when I worked, went to the company um, that I was last at, they manufactured the membranes. So I went from being working on the process that the membranes did to actually manufacturing the membranes for those processes. So, Hmm. um, so once I got my degree, I had expressed to the company that I wanted to get into controls and there just wasn't any openings. And 
being almost 40 and working full-time, going to school full-time and being a parent full-time, I'm like, I put way too much effort into this to let it just sit as a maybe for years because Mm -hmm. it's just going to get lost. So I started applying and that's where I got my current role with Egan company. Awesome. um, So you'll have to remind me, do you have three or four kids? Four. I thought so. Yeah. Cause I feel like, (laughs) I feel like when I was like, just having given birth to my third child, I feel like I texted an announcement and you messaged me and told me that you guys were expecting again. Yeah. <laughs> was that she, your fourth kid? Was, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I was still into the delivery how, how room. Old, yeah. How old is <laughs> your youngest? She just turned six and a half. She's like six, almost six and a half. Yeah. It makes. Yeah. Yeah. That works out. That's too funny. Oh my goodness. Um, no, that would. Nope. That would be Teddy. Would that be your third kid? Yeah. Okay. So you had one more then. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. She maybe was a surprise. I, maybe I saw you at my brother's wedding and then. Yep. That that's, when you, yep okay. Yeah. Yep. So you guys have stayed connected with uh, my brother too. Cause you guys mm-hmm. play games. Like do you, do you guys do board games and video games? Nope. Just board games. Board games. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Mark has uh, developed uh, a board game more than one or just one. One and a half. Okay. The other one is still in a prototype, a really early developmental prototype. I'm looking at it right now on the shelf. <laughs> what is the name of the one that's out? Because this is it. How it's do you say? It? Is it out. published? No, it's not yet. It's no. very close. I'm. I'm waiting for the right time. Okay. Because <laughs> it, it takes quite a bit of a financial investment to get it over the finish line. Mm. Um, because. I plan, I plan on putting it on some sort of crowdfunding. So either Kickstarter or GameFound. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and in the months leading up to your campaign, you have to advertise like crazy. And that can be quite spendy. Got it. In the okay. thousands of dollars. So just waiting for the right time. That's to when your movie making uh, background will come in. The end I, yeah. I, so a lot of people, it's funny. A lot of people do like they'll hire somebody to do just, you know, 3d animation of their like intro video and stuff and mm-hmm. um i'm really a huge fan of uh practical effects so um recently i just watched a whole documentary on the new blade runner uh the new blade runner movie uh i could always get it mixed up with the board game risk because it's like in the 2000s like so risk 2210 and then Blade Runner 2049, I think it is. 2140, I don't know. I always get it. It throws me off. Anyway, so I watched this documentary on Blade Runner and they, uh, the director, uh, Dennis Villanow, I, can't, I can never pronounce his last name. And anyway, he was talking about how he wanted to do a lot of practical uh, effects. So like a lot of like, they built a lot of miniatures and everything. And I just, key on that so with my board game i plan on trying to shoot it all practically with very little computer graphics so i have yes my filmmaking is tying into that because it's like i've got this idea for a, a vision for what i want for my uh like my playthroughs and my um you know when you first pop up on kickstarter there's usually like hey watch a video like a little two minute video introduction of the game yeah 
So sounds like the way yeah, to go. Your your brother has been um, a really good resource for playtesting the game because the genre that my game uh, lives in is something that we played a lot of uh, in the video game world. And so oh. this game was based off of, it was a way to bring this video game uh, genre to the tabletop. So, so I guess that is also work from home because you probably were doing all of that from home or the mm-hmm. road. How long did have you been spending working on your game? It is at the three year mark now. Sounds about I right. I think, yeah, because twenty eight. Yeah, I started working on it when I first. Yeah, right when I started going to college. Okay, is when I started working on it. Like, and let's just add one more thing to the mix. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So work full time, school full time designing a board game. Yeah. It, but that was sort of my way of like decompressing yeah. from all that stuff. And so I, I think that that's an important thing. Working from home is not allowing being able to segregate your time uh, effectively. So you're not like one completely ignoring your work, but also not completely ignoring everything else because now it's convenient to just dive into work whenever you want. Whereas for some people that are workaholics, I don't know if that's the PC term for it, but people that have that tendency to just basically be completely distracted by work, working from home could worsen some of that. I've seen it go both ways. Mm -hmm. Definitely people tend to drift towards more. Many people uh, have a hard time stopping. Yeah. Um, I, we were talking before we started recording a little bit to catch up after all these years, it feels (laughs) like. Um, And I asked you when we were going to time this, like, do you want to start recording like after kids bedtime? Like what time do they go to bed? And you're like, they're in bed. <laughs> yeah. I was very impressed because it was only like six 30 at night here, seven 30 your time. So do you want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, your kid's schedule and how that affects like your ability and when you and your wife both get your work done. So Going back to when I first started working from home or had my first experience working from home, it was, and I think for many people now, it's when it's when the pandemic hit. Um, and it was interesting for us because there was the speculation at work of like, are we going, how is this going to happen? You know, like what's going to happen? And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden one day, a manager was just walking through our, our cube farm <laughs> and he's like, grab everything you need to, to work from home and go home and don't come back. Wow. And that was like what, March 13th or March 15th ish somewhere in there. Yeah. It was, I don't remember when, but it was just like, all you know, cause a lot of my coworkers, I think were in a lot of denial about it. Hmm. They were like, oh, this, yeah, they might send us home for a couple of weeks. Like these were older guys. 
Mm-hmm. And so they were talking about how I don't think that they really had considered <laughs> what yeah. that meant. Okay. Whereas for me, I was like, if they send us home, it's going to be kind of a long-term thing, you know, mm. like, I was like, this is going to be a longer thing than I think people realize. And I think we ended up working from home for three or four months. And then they started saying, you know, for me, I'm a, my, my job, I started running out of things to do. And was the industry was, slowing down in some way too, during that time? Well, ours had taken kind of a hit because of the shipping stuff. Like, um, it, it was, it's, it's kind of convoluted because the industries we served, um, like there were certain ones that hit harder than others. Hmm. Um, so it, it did hurt not, you know, it did hurt, but um, for my role, it was kind of a benefit because our machines that we were working, cause I worked on a machine improvement and our machines were, it was very rare to, it was hard to get downtime to work on our projects. Cause a lot of our projects required downtime to implement them. Um, ah. and so now that production had kind of ramp, kind of scaled back a little bit, uh, we were able to take advantage of that, but it was short-lived, relatively okay. speaking. And but it only they, lasted three to four months. So it's kind of a mix. So they sent us home. I worked. I tried to do a lot of my CAD work. And trying to prepare for projects that were coming up. But eventually it was like, I needed to be on site to do measurements. I needed to be on site to see things, to help plan for ordering parts and stuff. And so we started pushing back being like, we need to get back on site for it in some capacity. Like so one day then, a week or something like that. Well, it was, it was, it was, uh, by manager approval. Like, what do you need to go on there for? Like, what are you going to do? How long are you going to be there? You know, like you basically went in, did your thing and got out. Okay. And the only people that could be there full time are the operators the people actually that had to physically be there to run the equipment. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the same at where my husband worked. Um, you know, they used to go into the floor, I guess, if you will, um, into the clean rooms and stuff every single day for meetings. And then in the end, it's just the techs that stay on site. Everyone yeah. else works from home. Maintenance was on site. Um, so then uh, it was sort of a slow ramp up to us just proving that we needed to be there because mm-hmm. eventually like I was trying to implement some documentation um, control projects like all of our CAD drawings needed to live somewhere that was secure, but also that was accessible for people to view for approvals and whatever. And because our department didn't have anything like that, but nobody was biting on to trying to help drive this thing forward so it just kind of i just kind of ran out of things to do 
because it's like, okay, I've brought my projects up as far as I can comfortably go without just dangerously guessing my way through these things, these mm. designs. And so eventually we said, you know, we need to be allowed to just come on site as needed. And so they had to go through the process of like, okay, what does this look like? You know, what do you, what are the protocols and all this stuff? And then, so then it was just us four engineering technicians on site. All the time or kind of just as needed? We worked our way into just being there full time because we, we had so much that we needed to work on that we just were there. Were you still in your cube farm or mm -hmm. were you kind of like spread out? No, we, we, we all sat in our old cubes, but like, you know, eventually it just sort of, I don't know, people just slowly started filtering back in mm -hmm. and then, you know, things kind of let up. And so like, it kind of got back to business as usual, slowly. And there'd be times where like projects would hit like a lull where we're waiting for parts and we don't have it. So then we would work from home out of convenience because it's like, there's no need for us to be here. Yeah. And so we would just kind of do that on an, as like, as we wanted to. Was this your old company or your current company? My old company. Okay. So you're working from home like 95% of the time now. Is that because you're in a completely different role? Right. So when I got hired here, they asked like, Hey, how are you with doing flex hybrid work? Which is, you know, you come, it's kind of the same thing as what we are doing. You come in as you need to, but you can work from home. And they said, if you want to have a desk, um, with your name on it, that this is your place, nobody else can sit here. You know, we ask that you're here four days a week. Oh, but for me, it's like, it's a 45 minute commute. Mm -hmm. So not and it's having, Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm like, I'm like, no, I'll, I'll work flex hybrid. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll come in. Cause like, for me, it's like, if a control panel is complete, I can go in and do some preliminary work on the control panel once it's built. Cause we also make control panels. Oh, wow. So before it gets sent out to the customer, I can kind of get it checked out to make sure the wiring is going where it should be and all that stuff. So I'll go in, I'll go on site for that. Or if there's just a day where I'm like, I just need to get out of the house. <laughs> I'll just go up there and find. So like, they've got like a whole bunch of desks that are just labeled flex hybrid. So you show up and you pick pick whichever one is open or whatever one you want. And then you just sit down and work there for the day or however long you want to be there. What is the split for you right now? It's I, I, I don't go in unless I absolutely have to, like the last time I went in was for my um, annual review. And nice. that was nice. Cause you know, like an annual review over video chat is kind of impersonal mm -hmm. <clears throat> and my boss likes to be able to sit and talk and, um, and he took us out for lunch. So got, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So nice. Um, uh, I want to ask a few questions about your, um, your setup. I know you just moved. 
So can you talk a little bit about what it was like working from home in your old house and versus this newer home that you're in and what kind of workflow do you have? Like, are you in meetings? Do you do Zoom? Do you do phone calls or is it mostly just like to yourself? So, um, I usually sit at the, at the dinner table most of the day. Oh, um, because three of the kids are at school and our three-year-old is usually distracted with toys or whatever, or watching my little pony. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but like this week with the kids being home for the holidays Mm -hmm. and everything, it's been a little bit more, my time has been a little bit more chunked out. So like I'll spend the morning kind of working and then lunchtime rolls around and kind of, you know, drifts into the afternoon and then I'll finish out my day after they go to bed. So you don't have to keep specific hours. You can kind of flex your time as needed yeah. to get your work done. Right. So like I'll keep my work phone on my hip. So if I get an email, it'll buzz and then I'll just take the email or if somebody's like, Hey, can I quick chat? I'll just mm-hmm. grab my computer and run somewhere quiet and do the meeting. So Okay. So are those chats, are they phone calls or are they video calls? Yeah, whichever people prefer. Sometimes it's phone calls. Sometimes it's video chat. So when I'm looking at, or sometimes it'll just be, Hey, do you got a second? And we'll just do like the Google chat with, you know, in, cause we use all like, like a messenger. Yeah. So we'll just sit there and type in messenger and figure out whatever. Yeah. So it's whatever is convenient for whoever. So when I'm looking at you right now, for our listeners who are not watching the video, I see, are you like in a block wall? Is that behind I'm your I'm in paneling? the basement. So, yeah. Okay. So and then he's the, got like a professional looking microphone. This, this is the semi-finished space from, yeah. What's that? So what was the microphone for? Is that for your meetings or? Yeah, this, well, for one, like doing this, this was going to provide a lot better sound quality because mm-hmm. you're recording it yep. with a meeting. I'll just use the microphone on the computer, mm-hmm. but this seemed to make more sense for this application. So, yeah. But why do you have your, um, I know the answer. I bought this cause I want to record audiobooks, And so I bought this microphone and everything and an adapter so I can, record audiobooks and the previous house we were at it was too noisy. So it just became a fancy way of talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> but now in this house, it, it, it'll make more sense to actually build like a little, you know, proper sound booth that I can uh, record audiobooks in. So uh, it sounds like it's pretty quiet down there, but you said your kids are asleep. <laughs> yeah. So this house has hardwood floors. It's the, the sound is very, it's, it's got a lot of solid surfaces. So you can probably hear the echo in this room. It's got a hard floor, hard walls, hard ceiling. So, um, yeah, if the kids were here, you would hear thunder. (laughs) (laughs) I had someone tell me that, you know, even more than like the foam paneling things, like that's good for the acoustics in the room that you're in. But to dampen the sound coming from other places, they recommend hanging like heavy tapestries or blankets, mm-hmm. even on the walls, on the door, rolling up a towel, sticking it under the door. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I was 
looking up how to build a, a sound booth and some people go to really like their sound booth will actually be sitting on rubber feet yeah. off the floor and they'll have a two by six floor that is insulated two by six walls that are insulated with five eighth sheetrock inside wow. to really, and that sheetrock will actually be separated by rubber sound dampening pads. Really? And this would be just easy for you, right? <laughs> I'm not going to that extreme. <laughs> But I know that you have done some like finishing work, like in your previous basements and. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we finished the, uh, we finished the basement in the last house, um, almost completely. I didn't finish the utility room, of course, but it was about, uh, I'd say, you know, over two thirds finished. So I remember seeing a picture of a urinal propped around thinking that you might <laughs> did you ever end up installing that yeah so before the base was finished um <laughs> i called up my dad and i was like hey because my dad's the master plumber for the city of duluth minnesota and i was like hey if you ever run across the you know you guys are ever remodeling a <clears throat> an old city bathroom or whatever i said grab me that old urinal i want to throw that in my basement and he's like Ah, I'll just buy you one. So he bought me this urinal and I, I mounted it to the chimney in the basement because it was right next to a, an easy access drain. And so, yeah, for a little while I had the urinal down there, <clears throat> but then when not, we finished not it, when you sold it, no, I, I I'm bringing it with because <laughs> now that we have a much larger home, which is over double, I'm in, in that little wind weird window thing goes right into the bathroom so if somebody has a question like hey can you throw me some tp i can just <laughs> chuck it through <laughs> that's awesome but no i i plan on mount i plan on uh putting the urinal down here oh. because if it's right next to my game room which i'm mostly play with, play with dudes it's a novelty pretty cool <laughs> to have one in your house yeah i um i remember uh in the later years before, I guess, right around the time that I was moving down to Missouri, um, you know, I would walk into like the church building and there'd be like 15 or 20 guys with like their full PC computers, like all like having a land party. Um, and did that turn into something that you did at your house too? We had, we had board game days at our former house. I haven't done full video game land parties since when we were doing uh, youth leadership because mm -hmm. like we would have our tech fest so yeah. it started off in sean's basement and then eventually moved to where we had it in the basement of open bible church and then um dan was like hey let's have it at acf right yeah. and so that's where the primary venue came and then um, bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> yeah but then it's sort of just you know sean moved away i moved away it, people just got busy and it just right. kind of sadly, but you know, the, it's time had come. Good memories for sure. But now I have board game days. So yeah. Um, the reason that we're doing this interview today is because I saw a picture posted on Facebook and you have this beautiful window, two windows actually in the corner. And you're like, this is my view from working from home. And I was mm -hmm. like, what? 
So do you have like a home office upstairs? No. Or is that um, your dining room? That is actually part of the kitchen. So the former owners had put in this off the end of the uh, official kitchen countertops, put this like little epoxy covered plywood desk. So there's like three chairs. It's like bar height. And it used to be their eat-in kitchen area. That's like where like the little table. Yeah, that's where like little table would sit. And so now they just made this. And um because my daughter had her friend over, like they were all sitting at the table and it was they were running around the table and they trip on the cord. And I was just like, all right, I'm just gonna move over here because it's like away from the action. But also I want to have whatever daylight was coming through it was snowing today. So whatever daylight was coming through and plus it was, it wasn't like blizzard. It was nice, big snowflake coming. It was just peaceful. So I just moved my work over to there. Could you see yourself doing that again? Do you like being able to see out the window? Yes. So I suffer from seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. Um, really bad sometimes. So mm-hmm. Um, that's why I live in Arizona. I think <laughs> it worked I tried, out I tried to convince when I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I, I, we, I didn't feel totally settled at the last house, but, um, I was trying to convince my wife to, uh, move out of state to somewhere sunnier and warmer, but, um, family is important. So we decided to forego that, but right. And you have most of your family right there. Um, I remember, I think I had said like my, my neighbors are selling the house, you know, I need some good neighbors. uh And you were like, I wish. And your wife was like, no way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I think Arizona for me would be fun because I, I like outdoor stuff and it's kind of mountainous and I could have a four wheeler and go out four wheeling and do all kinds of deserty cool stuff. Um, also I'm a big volcano nerd and you guys have sunset craters and I want really? to go see that. I need to, yeah, I need so to learn about this stuff. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's so, actually, it's actually, yeah, it's in between, but anyway, you, you could just plan on being a snowbird. Like there's no shame in that. Like just plan on, you know, like taking a sabbatical in the winter and well, it'd be cool. Like if I had like a project I was working on for work, um, yeah, it'd be, if, if there's a, if there was like a good solid place we could stay, yeah, it, it'd be kind of a cool way to take a couple of weeks and just bring my work with me. But my in-laws just, um, visited in the month of October and they rented a condo, um, through, I think Airbnb, but you can get like a discount if you can do it for like four weeks. Mm-hmm. So if you ever had like, you know, an opportunity to work from home and maybe just only take like one week off, but work from home the other three weeks yep. in, you know, a nice hot area. I highly recommend Arizona from about October through March. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I, not I, so much the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, I discovered that inadvertently this house, the front faces East and the rear faces West. So we get, beautiful sunlight 
you know, sunrise, sunlight in the morning. So sometimes I'll just go sit on the couch with my laptop and just sit in the morning sun. Mm-hmm. Cause we've got three, three windows right in the front. And it's like just basically a big giant window. And then this afternoon, you know, sitting in the kitchen on those two windows, it's like the evening light That's comes awesome. in there. And so for me, keeping my seasonal affective disorder, um, in check because yeah. it can get really bad sometimes like to the point where I can barely function, um, which in a professional life is really difficult to try and manage, mm-hmm. especially when you're working from home, because it's easy to just like give up and just go sit on the couch and stare at nothing and wallow in depression for the whole day. So the basement uh-huh. might not be a good fit for your like permanent office. It sounds no. like when the Plus kids are my- at school. Yeah. Plus all my board game stuff is down here and that mm. would be super distracting. <laughs> yeah. Do you have like um, a back patio or a covered porch or anything like that, that you could also be back there in the afternoons? Yes. Yeah, so off the back of right, right out of our dining room is a three season porch. So in the ah, spring, summer, <laughs> fall, um, bundle up the, in the winter. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'll be able to sit out there like, Heather and I were talking that we want to get like a desk for out there because she wants to write out there um, in the summertime. So when she's working on her book or whatever she's working on at that time, she can sit out there or if she's sewing, she can cut fabric out there or whatever. But that was one of our dreams was in the house is to have that. So we can go in and enjoy that. Um, be nice to go work out there during a thunderstorm too. We have a three season porch at this house that we lived in, in Illinois. And it had a porch swing back there and it was, it was kind of dinky and just a cement floor, but I loved it. Does yours Mm -hmm. have screens? Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Like we'd even have like an easel set up and the kids would be like painting or drawing and we'd be swinging and just enjoying the beautiful evening without the mosquitoes because mosquitoes are a big deal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that, you know, when we saw that, we were like, this is going to be great because like in the spring, my buddies, we come over, we drink whiskey, smoke cigars. And yeah, those nights where it's just, you you know, we'll just bring the folding table, set up, play a board game, drink whiskey, smoke cigars. Good to go. Does your three season porch have windows also or only screens? It's all, it's all windows. It's It's windows too. It's yes. You could probably, uh, you could probably get a space heater out there and, Mm -hmm. you know, pull a few more weeks, you know, out of it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, so right outside then is a deck and we plan on the, the previous owners had this giant pool that we didn't want because pool I've done pool maintenance. Yeah. Well, small children, but also just the maintenance. I mean, it's, this one would have been like probably 3000 gallons to fill. Was it above, above ground? Mm -hmm. And our lab likes to dive in there. So, (laughs) so I I had him get rid of, but there's like a big space and we want to put a patio and I want to put an actual, like, like a covered thing with like the drop down screens. So if the three season porch doesn't make sense, we can at least go sit out there and, you know, have the fire pit right next to it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's raining or drizzling, but we still want to have a fire, but yeah, so our backyard is pretty big. And so we have room to do that now. 
The so, windows that I saw in that picture went from your kitchen nook. Would those be facing into your backyard? Yeah. So if I'm working, yep, yeah, I can work in front of I can see the, the kids. And like today, I, they were out there playing and I was watching them while I was working. And yeah, it was, it's uh, working from home, having a, a place that is comfortable is what I found very important. Um, sometimes it, it, yeah, you, if you, if you're a person that gets just, uh, distracted by a lot of stuff easily, it should be quiet. But, um, for me, I find that I like to chunk out my day anyway. So if there's something just distracting, like Heather needs to run to the store and I need to watch, you know, watch the little one, I can just take that break, focus on her and then Mm -hmm. get back to it. So, yeah, I love it. I I have worked under a few different structures um, with my work from home journey. Um, Some of them are very, you know, specific break times. um, And then other ones had set my own schedule, but I had to attend meetings. And then some of it's just kind of, you know, do it when you want to kind of stuff. But the fact like when I used to work on site all the time, 40, 40 hours a week, you know, I take a break or I have my lunch, but I'm still at work, you know, and now I get to be with my family, I get the hugs and the snuggles. And I get to sit down and have lunch with my husband. It's really nice. Now your wife also works from home. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about that a little? So she, she's a stay at home mom as well. Like on top of what she does, which is she writes novels. And then um, she also has been getting into just doing shipped deliveries for something to get out of the house with. And so for me being able to work from home and she wants to go run like a delivery route just to get out. It really works. Cause she can just be like, okay, does this work? You know, no meetings. So we can work to work with that. But then with her, with her writing, like having an office space for her to write is important for her because it's, she's the person that needs to have her space. Okay. And so, um, you know, we're getting her office all set up. Is it like a spare bedroom? Uh, it well, in this house, it was there's an egress window, so it, um, it was going to be a, a bedroom, mm-hmm. but because it ties right over to where my space is, so her space is right there, mine's right here. It's in like the one big room. Yep, mm-hmm. um, it's 25 feet long and 13 feet deep. So, oh it's wow, a huge space. So um, is there any um, separation between your two spaces? Yeah, there's like about a half wall, but um, thing is, is she's really good with headphones. So if mm-hmm. I like um, the other night she was writing and me and my buddy were drinking and playing board games <laughs> and, you know, we were, and she just put her headphones on. So, work. yep. Yeah. So it, when you have two people working from home, like you also have to work out, you know, what makes sense for your guys' schedules. And it's kind of like, I feel like working from home is a lot like raising kids. <laughs> you have to find what works for you. Like nobody can like write a book to be like, here's how you should do it because mm-hmm. everybody's going to be different. Everybody has different like tactics for how they work, um, different times that they're more productive and you have to just 
you know, it's trial and error in my opinion. So we should revisit what we were talking about before we started recording about the fact that your kids went to bed at seven o'clock tonight, but seven o'clock is kind of when she gets started seven o'clock in the mm-hmm. evening. And that's when you're winding down. Yep. yep. So for me, like if, if I've kind of taken the afternoon off, so like lunchtime happens and then a little bit while later, like during school hours, then we'll go pick the kids up and then they get home and then they want to see me. So like, I won't, I might not get back to it till six thirty, seven o'clock. And then I'll finish out whatever I was doing until 10 30, 11 o'clock, mm-hmm. which is fine because I don't have to be into the office at any specific time. So I can sleep in kids. Don't let me sleep in, <laughs> <laughs> especially this morning. Right. But yeah. I, like before, like I wanted to get to my job when I had to be there. I had to, I wanted to get to my job at five, five 30 in the morning because I wanted to be out of there by one 32 o'clock. Okay. That makes because sense. I wanted to have an afternoon because in the winter time I wanted to see some daylight because I was working in a factory mm-hmm. and my job, I was more flexible to where I could step outside whenever I wanted. If I wanted to go walk around the roof to get out in the daylight, if I wanted to go just go outside, it was easy, but still like it's not the same as being done because you know you're like okay I've got 15 minutes before I'm gonna be tired of this yeah so for those that don't yeah for those that don't live in Minnesota like the days are short like in Mm -hmm. winter time this time of year uh we just had is it the winter solstice is that how you Mm -hmm. say it um, the shortest day of the year it was one of my daughters was born <laughs> on that day. Um, you know, you can go into work at seven o'clock in the morning and it's still dark and you can mm-hmm. get out of work at four o'clock in the afternoon and it is still dark. And that is, it really plays tricks with your brain here it in does. Arizona. Our, our days are a little bit more even and we don't have, um, in the summertime, it actually gets dark sooner than it does in Minnesota. You guys have longer days than we do here. And I don't um, think Arizona does daylight savings time. We don't. Yeah. Which thankfully I think they're going to be getting rid of that here uh, in 2022, which is something <laughs> I'm like, yes. I hope. I hope. Is that There's another be- thing working from home, like daylight savings time, you, you switch it and then the kids get all screwed up. Yeah. So like as an adult, you can basically tell yourself, this is what it is. This is what it is. It sucks, but you can tell yourself that this is normal, but kids don't care. I know (laughs) it's an archaic idea. I don't know if it'll take another 20 years to abolish it though. Yeah. So like, you know, kind of getting back to what, what my point was, is I, my last job, I would get up at four 30, four, four 30, try and get to work by five, five 30. So I could be home at, you know, one, one thirty, two o'clock. So that way there was that little bit of time, but also that would give me time to spend with the family because then she would, you know, at nighttime, she'd go down, she'd start writing. And when like a little bit now, like right now, they're a little bit more flexible with when they write and how much they write. But like when they were really into this first draft, she's co-writing this story with somebody um, it was like militant, like we are writing, we are writing, like they were pushing and pushing and they pushing protected to get that this. Time. Yeah. Yes. To, and which is great because this story is something that they have 
had on the back burner since high school. So oh, wow. 15 years. And it's a trilogy. Yeah. And, but so when they actually dove into it, they wrote a trilogy in. I'm not going to, I'd say six months. Wow. Ish. You might have to verify that, but that's. It, it could be a year, but it feels like they started this. Eh, maybe it's about a year. I, I don't know. I don't feel like. Anyway, it doesn't matter <laughs> when they were really writing on it. Like she, she would tell herself like, you know, seven o'clock I'm going to work. And then she, you know, I'd be on the couch doing what I was doing or what, you know, whatever. And she'd be like, okay. And she would say, I'm going to work. Like, cause she wanted to be in that mindset mm -hmm. of this is my time to work. And so then as they're going, like, she's like, we're already into the second book as far as like content and story goes. And they're like, we're just going to write all three of them. Cause we wanted, they wanted to basically, they want to write one and then halfway through the second one they realize that there's all these holes that they need to fill like they wanted to have the story be that makes sense you know have continuity yeah <clears throat> so were the kids in bed at seven o'clock or were you putting mm -hmm. them to bed we were putting at that time we were putting in bed at like six six thirty wow i'm i uh i'm impressed because <laughs> my kids don't go to bed that early but the thing is is my kids are like they all of my kids have my temperament. So like they're short, they have short fuse, like all this stuff. So it's like them getting sleep is very important. Mm. Like my oldest was so tired today. He was sick. Mm. Like I, I gave him, he was, I told, told him, I said, Hey, I'm going to go out and clear the snow. He's like, I want to do the snowblower. He got about halfway through it. And he's like, I don't feel good. Oh. And I'm like, Oh, what the heck? And all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, he was up till whenever. And, you know, you he'll sit in his room. Yeah. Well, even though it was his sister's friend, like they were all playing together, mm -hmm. but then he was all amped up and he wasn't really tired, even though he was. So he'll sit in his bed and like draw and do stuff. And mm -hmm. well, he does, he's not, he, he's nine years old, so he doesn't have time management. So who knows what time he actually got to sleep. I hear you. So they function better if they get better sleep. What yeah. time do they wake up in the morning though? Usually it's about six. So the thing is, is our kids do really well with like a regimen. So like after supper, it's a little bit of, you know, whatever time, but then it's like, okay, because my kids have ADHD, it takes an hour for them to be ready for bed. So it's like a constant drill of like yelling at them, like, get your teeth brushed. Come <laughs> on. Like, I've never said those words in my life. <laughs> do this every night. It's I know. PJs, brush your teeth, grab your book. Let's go, you know, like, yeah. let's do the thing. But the thing is, is like, they're so scatterbrained. It takes them forever to do these things. But if you try and switch that routine up on them. They're like, wait a minute. No, I do my PJs first and then I brush my teeth. Yeah. I'm like, well, whatever. <laughs> yeah. 
Honestly, I think that's why traveling can be really hard for families. Like you think, oh, it's fun. You know, we're on vacation and like everything is messed up. Well, if you're no, if you're work from home, but yet like, okay. So if you're, if you're in a traveling position in, in your professional life, um, and you work from home, that can be, that has its own set of challenges because, um, at least my kids did not do well when I was traveling uh, because, yeah, when I was traveling 90% of the time, there wasn't like, so my two boys now keep in mind when I was traveling, my second boy was only an infant. So it was different, but my older one was, um, unbeknownst to us on the spectrum, but he would act out when I would be gone. Mm -hmm. But my trips, what compounded that even was that my trips weren't always planned. Oh, so I was on call. And so there'd be like, there was one time where, um, I had just gotten home from a trip and I was in the backyard and I just cracked open a beer, was just getting the grill fired up to cook. And our scheduler called and said, Hey, I need you on a flight to Dallas tonight. Oh dear. And I was down there for four days. Um, I was in Atlanta for 10 days and it was like, I think it was a 12 day, supposed to be a 12 day stint. And my boss called and said, Hey, you know, Mike can finish up the work, but I need you on a flight tomorrow to Japan. So 10 days. And then Japan was, it's five days because you have travel a day and a half of travel and then you do the work and then it's a day and a half of travel, but then you've got like recoup time. Ugh. And, and so I feel like people who work from home that have families that travel a lot, like there's unique things that they got to work out. And some spouses do great with that. Mine did not being (laughs) awesome. You know, like if you don't have kids or if you're retired, you know, closer Mm -hmm. to retirement with like the empty nest thing, you just hop on a plane together, but not so easy when you got kids who need a routine. And, you know, the work from home thing, like that was even a challenge. Like when COVID hit, like it was like, okay, we're working from home. Well, the kids just saw it as, oh, dad's home. And so (laughs) creating that, no, you do not come up here because I'm working. I need, like, this is new to me. I need to focus. And then like when Heather started doing her writing, like really hardcore into it, like, I wanted to respect that time of her. So if our then one and a half, two-year-old would wake up in the middle of the night, middle of the night, it's like 10 o'clock or whatever. She had this like habit and she still does right around 10 o'clock. She would wake up. Well, I wasn't going to expect her to take that. So it was just expected that I would make sure that she got back to sleep and everything Mm -hmm. because I wanted to respect that this was her work time. Right. And so um, it was a little bit more challenging, I think, when COVID hit for my time to be as respected because, one, my role didn't 
was unique in that I could flex my time a little bit more. I just needed to be present for scheduled meetings. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I would again work into the evening because I would chunk my day out to go down and help because, you know, kids are pulled out of school. And so there was that adjustment period and it was, just, it was, I mean, it was chaos because you're, you know, as a person where you switch from working eight, like that quote unquote eight to five schedule. And then all of a sudden now it's just kind of all discombobulated with people trying to like, how are we going to do school and how are like, what is going on? It was, I think everybody can relate on some level that have children that that time was it's kind of like a everybody's trying to figure out how do we work from, how do we do this mass work from home thing where shared trauma that we've all gone through. (laughs) And then on top of that, you know, having to adjust the work, especially for those that weren't already working from home. I've had some people say, Oh, nothing really changed for us, but that was, you know, they didn't have kids who were all of a sudden quarantine or, um, you know, home all the time, you know, who's actually struggled the most, uh, recently in our family. This is kind of weird. Um, my cat has been having some, we think it's behavioral. Uh, we think that now that the kids are back to school and, you know, my husband has been working on site more often lately. Um, he's still home about 75, 80% of the time. Um, and I'm out and about running errands sometimes during the daytime, our cat is acting out. And we think it's because she doesn't have all of us at home all of the time. Like she had for a year and a half. Well, yeah. I mean, animals are very routine based. Yeah. Like, like very routine, like, Hey, it's time to eat. Hey, it's time to go outside. Hey, it's time for the kids to come home. Hey, you know, like they are, that's how animals function in the wild. Like they have a thing that they do the same thing every single day. (laughs) I think that like there's that saying that, you know, people always say, oh, kids are resilient and it's true. Kids can be resilient. But I think that this whole shared, you know, trauma that we've all been through in the last year and a half with all the changes in our routine affects adults too. You know, we might be able to hide it a little bit better. Um, well, it's what, what you were saying. What was the word you just said? The resilient. Uh, we are resilient in the fact that we're going to adapt, but that it doesn't come without its consequences or yeah. it's like it's bruises. <laughs> Oh yeah. Big time. You know? So yeah, we're resilient. Like we've survived, like we've managed, but doesn't mean that we're not scarred. Yeah. There'll be, you know, some people are going to have to adjust to going back in the office. Now is your company going to allow you to continue to be flex? um, It's a permanent. That's what you were hired into. Yeah. They said, are you okay? You know, like they say, if you don't want to work from home, feel free to come in every day. Uh If you do, if you want to work from home, if you want to do it half and half, use the flex hybrid, whatever, like mm-hmm. that's, they kept that because that's awesome. Um, and <laughs> when our friend was over Jane, she was talking about how her husband's work is like, they went, they've had people working at home for like two years now because of COVID. They're like, you know, everything's been working fine that way. Like, well, let's start looking at bringing people back in. And for these companies that are like, let's just do this. It's like, are they doing it because 
Like, what is the motive? Like, if there's no benefit to gain, like if you like if your productivity is the same or better of people working from home, I don't understand why companies would want to go back to this. And I think that this is a common conversation that people have is, you know, like utilities, like these cube farms that get set up. I mean, they're not, they're not inexpensive. Like these are, these are large spaces that have to be like, you've got carpet wear and tear and light bulbs. So, I mean, like the LEDs make it more efficient these days, Yeah, but it's still like, you've got bathrooms to clean, you've got all this stuff. And it's like, to me, it just seems like a lot of unnecessary overhead for. They're probably just like, well, we're already paying all this money. We might as well make people use the space. (laughs) I can see that, but I'm like, okay, well, why not just get a smaller space yeah, or rent it out or Mm -hmm. whatever, you know? I mean, I just, when they, when they, um, For my type of work, working from home is great because I'm just basically programming. Mm -hmm. And if I were in the work, if I were in the office, I would be headphones on, zoned out, like very little interaction. And the interaction I would have would be something I could either make a phone call or a chat or throw a quick meeting on and be like, hey, you know, what do you think about this? Whatever, you know. Now there is something to be said about getting back and seeing your co coworkers and seeing those spaces, which that's where I think the hybrid thing is nice because mm-hmm. if you have those people that like that stuff, they have that option of, Hey, let's, let's just plan to be there on Tuesdays and Thursdays and then we can see each other or whatever, you know? Yeah. Or do a happy hour or something afterward. Yeah. So I don't know. To, I feel like, and I, I said this as soon as, people were really into the work from home thing during the pandemic. I said, this is going to become more of a permanent thing. I think than people realize. Oh yeah. Because one, I think companies are going to see a benefit from it. And it's especially true with sick time. Yeah. Because like, okay. Have a sniffle. Yeah. Or like, even if you just got like a light fever and you're just feeling crummy, you grab your laptop you lay on your couch and you can just sit there and plunk away mm-hmm. at a, you know, you're still getting something done might not be as productive, but you're not having to burn up a sick day right. because of it. People who work from home, we should still take sick days if they're truly sick. But like oh, if right. I'm staying home just because I have a cough, but I'm still functional yeah. or I had diarrhea or, you know, right. uh, a sniffle, like you said, or fever, um, you know, there's a lot of days that I wish I would have been able to just work and make my money, um, mm-hmm. but not, you know, be contagious. Like people will give you the evil eye and, and rightfully so, <laughs> especially in the pandemic, we all know you should be staying home if you're sick. Well, right. And I'm sure that this is sort of a, you know, beaten with a dead horse statement, but I'm going to say it because I relate with it is if you're working from home and your kids are sick and one, you don't, you're at risk of catching what they're catching yeah, or they just need that other person there. Um, like if Heather was got sick and the kids were sick and I'm the one who wasn't like, well, I get that opportunity now to flex my hours around 
to, I mean, it's different for people who work from home in a call center because they got to be there mm-hmm. all the, like yeah. their, their time's a little bit different, but for like, I think a lot of like administrative work and all this stuff, like programming, whatever, um, you know, that gives you the opportunity to either have to run to the school to pick the kids up because they were told to go home yep. or, you know, they wake up in the middle of the night puking, you know, you can just throw like an email out to your boss being like, Hey, I'll be, I'm going to be working, but I'm going to be kind of, you know, hard, to, duty, hard yeah. to get a hold of stuff. Cause like <laughs> kids are sick. We have experienced that. Like, um, for the next few months, I'm going to be taking a temporary job where I'm going to be working on site for an online, um, classroom, um, long story short, but my, you know, one of the concerns is what if the kids, you know, I have had the luxury of working the night shift in the early, early mornings, and then I'm available when my kids needed to get picked up from school, if they had a fever or were exposed. Um, and my husband has more flexibility. He does, he does still have this, this very, um, set schedule where he's expected to start work at a certain time and finish at a certain time, but he can, you know, he can leave and, and grab the kids if he needs to. Um, and just knowing that, that, and then he can work from home. Like if he has a sick kid at home, he can get his work done. Mm -hmm. They can Netflix if they need to, you know, to get through the day. Um, but just knowing that he has the flexibility when I won't have the flexibility that I've had is nice. Mm -hmm. So you're lucky the, the flex hybrid I think hybrid meaning the in and out of the office and the flex means they, they must be giving you some freedom with your work hours. Yep. Yeah. It, cause really it's like, we have a project needs to be done at a certain date mm-hmm. to be started up and implemented on the customer site. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't matter when I work, I just got to get my 40 hours in because uh-huh. it, if I'm okay, if I work from seven to three and I'm programming or doing all my work during that time, it's the same end result. Yeah. I'm still need to have this program done by this date. It still needs to be started up at that date. And there are days where like my boss will call me and be like, Hey, can you go out on a service call? Got a customer, their machines down. We need to, you reload a program or troubleshoot and figure out like, yep. So I'll go and <laughs> jump out of my PJs, shower, throw my work attire on, yep. grab my backpack and jump in the car and go drive and do the How thing. How often does it happen? Uh, it varies. Sometimes it's three times a week. Sometimes it's once a week. Sometimes it's never. Okay. So just then- to, to I mean, it's service. So it's mm-hmm. when something breaks. <laughs> is everything local for you now? Or would you still ever have to do like a traveling? Um, I'd say 98% of it is local, local to the metro area. But I mean, that's not to say that there wouldn't be a, a situation where they're like, hey, like so-and-so got COVID and they're quarantined, but they're down in you know, we've got a guy that is our company, but the customer wanted an Egan employee full-time in North Carolina. So he lives in North Carolina and services our customer there. Okay. 
And so in a if, pinch, you might have to cover yeah, rarely. Uh, yeah. And it might be something where like, well, we're fine. We'll wait or whatever, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. So one of the ways that I usually try to wrap things up is to ask if you have any experience, um, I guess maybe, have you ever had a conversation with someone who is thinking about working from home for the first time and just, you know, what kind of advice would you give? I, I like to hear people talk about like a struggle that they've overcome or something like that. So I haven't actually had like a formal conversation about working from home. Cause like most of the people that I know, um, have had to deal on some level with that. Yeah. But the advice that I'd give is one, give yourself a little bit of grace. If, if it's new to you, um, there's going to be a transition period and it's going to be tough. You're going to go through times where you feel like you're not doing enough. And I think that though, like, I think that you, the, the employee manager relationship has, has to be solid for that to work really well. Mm-hmm. I think obviously there's always the good managers and the bad managers. They're the ones who are going to be more regimented and they're going to expect you to be like, you know, to the minute, making sure that you're doing everything, but like giving yourself the grace to be like, okay, I'm, this is going to take some time to get used to. Um, making sure that uh, you're make sure you're doing enough to feel productive. Cause for me, like I have anxiety. So there are times where it's like, I'm staring at into space all day. Cause I'm just like stuck on something and I'll get done. And I'll be like this day. Like I, why am I earning this money? <laughs> But it's like, if I were sitting in the office doing the same thing, like I wouldn't feel bad because, oh, I'm physically at work, you know? Right. Um, there isn't one way to do it. Like I said, like some people need that dedicated office space. Me, I am a nomad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I float around. Like if I, if I wanted to, I could just sit and drive to park to park and sit in my car and oh, I'm going to sit at this, you know, I'm going to sit at the park bench today and, and do work or whatever. Like I could float around. And I think that to me, that comes from my field service. Like I got kind of accustomed to that in the field service world where my office was in an airplane. My office was sitting on a pipe on the plant floor, trying to figure out what's going on with this machine or whatever. Like I've had to work out of gang boxes, like big toolboxes. I've had to work, you know, in my car. I've had to work in a hotel room. I've, you know, like I've, I feel like my field service role <laughs> set me up to kind of be good from working from home. Um, but there are people that just, maybe you were a maintenance technician and you were, you know, boots on the ground all the time. And now you've been promoted to a supervisor or managerial role. And now you have that flexibility to work from home. And now it's like, Oh, this is really new. You've got to give yourself that trend, like that time. And I think there's like the honeymoon phase of like, this is great, blah, blah, blah. But then like three weeks in, you're like, ah, 
Cause like, I think that there's like an imposter syndrome feeling of you hit where you're like working from home where like you realize you have that flex, that flex time. Like if you have a job where you can do that flex time, you're like, okay, well, what about my hours? Just make sure you do like, we trust you. Make sure you do the work that you would normally do. doesn't matter how it breaks up, but then like you have that time where you're like, oh my God, this is. I'm like, this is, uh, this doesn't, this feels like I'm on time off because like I worked for three, four hours in the morning, ran and grabbed groceries and lunch this afternoon and didn't get back at it until three worked till six, put the kids to bed, did or dinner, kids to bed, whatever. And then I like, that takes a while to get used to feeling like you've done enough. Do you feel though, when you come back from one of those longer breaks, um, I guess some people will call that almost like a split shift. Do you feel like you come back refreshed and ready to hit it? For my job, particularly? Yes, because I have to do a lot of logical thinking because Mm -hmm. machines are logical. Like the machine won't like you, like you can't go turn a machine on unless there's a certain like if this is on, you know, if this is okay and this is okay and this is okay and this is okay, then yes, the motor can start, you know? So you have to think logically and that can just make your mind numb. And so also understanding your, your job, I think the flex hybrid, um, I should say the flex time is really good for that because if you're just like, I can't think about this right now because I'm just not there. You can step away for a couple hours and come back when you're refreshed. So would you say that you have embraced this flex hybrid schedule? For me? Yes, because I've got ADHD and so I'm easily distracted. So it gives you a chance to kind of reset and ground yourself again. Yeah. Yeah. And, And who knows somebody, somebody could argue that well, you're just giving into not disciplining yourself. And it's like, well, you know, I'm also almost 40 years old and I just have kind of given up on trying to fix my brain. (laughs) This is who I am. So if my workplace allows me to exist without getting anxiety over the fact that my brain has physically, or like I've mentally shut down, but I physically still have to look like I'm working. That I, appreciate that more companies are going toward the more flexible. Um, I guess in some ways it's, you know, letting people have autonomy, letting people have um, control over their time. And it really, I I think would probably make happier employees overall, people less likely to need sick days, people, you know, like um, not needing to take so much PTO or, I mean, I want people to take their PTO. Don't get me wrong. I know we're Americans, but um, but for people, unnecessary. That, those like mental health days, yeah. working from home helps alleviate feeling guilty for mm-hmm. taking those. I think it would let people use their PTO for what it's intended is for yeah. like downtime and relaxing yep. and a vacation and see fat friends and family rather than having to take an hour or two here or there just to be able to make it to a doctor's appointment or to pick up your kid from school where you've just zapped your entire, you know, PTO account. And now you have no time for vacation. Yep. And like <laughs> in the engineering world, I think some of us engineers don't 
like we kind of abuse ourselves in that way because um, even when I'm on my vacation time off, I'm still like checking my work phone for an email because I enjoy what I do. Mm. I enjoy that. I, I respect my, my coworkers and stuff. And if like somebody is stuck on something and needs a quick question answered, like, okay, it takes me five minutes to answer this email to keep somebody so that isn't on time off to keep them productive. Mm. It's like, okay, well, because I work flex, like I can, I don't feel guilty for quick answering or quick answering a phone call or whatever. But you don't need to feel guilty if you don't answer that phone call either. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't have to, but I'm just saying that for me personally, it's something that I would feel (laughs) I've got that personality type where it's like, if somebody was struggling, I'd feel super guilty that I didn't help them if I could have. Oh yeah. Hey, this is a funny question and we're totally going to go like way over time now because I'm going to ask this, but have you ever heard the phrase or the expression, um, out of pocket, not meaning like a physical, like a money transaction, but meaning like your availability for work, like, Hey, I'm going to be out of pocket today. Does that mean anything to you? Have you ever heard that before? I think some people call it like, if, if I think I know what you're talking about, my boss calls it soft time off. Hmm. Okay. If I think that, cause like where he's like, Hey, I'm on PTO, but I'm available. Ah, I see. Yeah. Cause I don't even know exactly what they mean by this. Cause when I think of out of pocket, I'm old, I, I am in my forties. And I think that just means, Oh, I'm going to pay for this with my own money <laughs> out of pocket where apparently there's this phrase that's been thrown around maybe for decades or maybe for years. I'm not sure if it's a new thing or an old thing, but people use it to mean that they are like their phone is out of their pocket and they're very much not available or maybe all oh, that. Yes. Or also it can like, also mean some people might also mean that they're going to be working out of their pocket. Like they're going to be on their phone. So I don't know what it means. <laughs> I think it, I think it's up to the, I think it's into the context. If someone says like, out of pocket, you better check and find out yeah. what they're talking about because yeah. I think there's some confusion about. But like the, you know, I've worked with people that are like, Hey, yeah, I'll be, on a beach, but you know, if you need something, feel free to reach out. And there are some people that are like, don't even try. I yeah. will not be available. Yeah. My husband is more of the latter. I think like he would check on something if he knew something might be coming up, but he, he just had like, including the weekends, I think he had nine days off or maybe more. And I don't think he checked his emails while he was gone. <laughs> there are some people that are that have that really good for me like unless i'm at a i should say unless i'm at a place that i despise and hate Mm -hmm. but if i'm at a place that i enjoy and i love my job and i respect the people that i work with like Mm -hmm. i want to for those quick questions i want to be available because if they're not on time off and i and and i'm directly involved with the project and it's something that i need to answer Mm -hmm. i'm not going to be a (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think that he did uh, check something like maybe that first day, because I think he knew that there was something that they were trying to resolve, but once it was resolved, he was done. Yeah. Yeah. He earned it. You know, like he's, you know, he's been on call. So 24 seven, like one week out of every four or five, 
So, you know, he's, you know, always at the beck and call during those weeks. And I think when he's on vacation, he's like, I am literally on vacation. And I think it depends on like your job. Like, you know, if you're in that job where, you know, kind of getting back to like the, the new person working from home, like what advice would you give? If you're on your time off, it depends on your job. Like, like if you're working from home call center, 10 hours a day answering phone calls Mm -hmm. and you're done, Mm -hmm. you'd better be done. Yeah. The next person can do it. The more creative person that can just kind of float through the day, work as you need to and everything. It's different. Yeah. Service industry. Like for me, like my job, it just makes sense to, if, if I'm just taking time off just so that way I don't, I have that. I don't have to work. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, I'll just take, if I spent an hour helping somebody with a problem on my, I'll just start an hour later on my first day coming back. Absolutely. As you You should. (laughs) So anyway. Well, thank you, Mark. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up? So the one final thought that I had is when you're working from home and you have particularly children around is you learn to get really good with keeping your fingers on the mute button shortcuts. Cause it's like, <laughs> there've been times where like, there was a full on fight happening over here and I'm just sitting here professionally going, mm-hmm, oh yeah, mm, good stuff. You know? And it's just like, <laughs> you know, world war two happening off to my right side. And then I'll be like, be quiet. Yeah. Um, so here's what I think about this and, and get my thought out really quick and then hit mute. And then it's like, <laughs> You should listen to my episode too, because Nicole Eplin, she actually had like a fire happening behind her <laughs> and she kept trying to mute herself. But when she had to unmute in order to like say something, you could hear the beeping from the like fire alarms. going off. <laughs> Finally, they were like, um, do you have something you need to take care of? And she's like, yeah, we're having a toaster oven fire right now. There's a friend of mine. Um, he almost forgot to shut his camera off. Uh, his camera was pointed right at his bathroom. He almost forgot to. Sh- and in one of the stores, like, are you gonna go take a crap right in front of everybody? He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> camera off, mute. Right. <laughs> but it's like there were so many stories that, like, really hilarious stories that came out of, like, of people just like it was a learning process, you yes. know, of like. You know, so anyway, that was my final thought. A few uh, lessons to learn from and don't repeat. Yes, I. Well, yeah, um, it's it's just, you know, if you forget to take it off, you're going to be sitting there talking to the air, and people are going to be like, <laughs> "Your mute's on." Like, <laughs> like in, in our office, like we had a lot of, you know, people still working remote, and when us technicians were in, like us four would be sitting there and one of us would forget to turn our mic on when we were talking. And so like you could hear them talking in the cube over and like, but it was like super muffled because you're through your headphones and we'd just be like mute. (laughs) And you'd you'd hear, sorry about that. Um, (laughs) Yep. Yep. Well, lots of my final thought. Lots of lessons of things to not do. I actually feel like I've even made a recording one time just talking about like, you know, 
ways to avoid some of the circumstances, like wear pants, like literally put pants on. Cause if you stand up in front of the camera for some reason, Oh, you're going to forget. Like you need to have <laughs> pants on. Yeah. I had a, so I had a meeting where it was at the very end of the day, it was like four o'clock and I had started at six and cause I was still at that time and I had was done at two, but I jumped in this meeting. I'd been out on the patio, grabbed my beer, came up, sat down for the meeting and took a swig of my beer right in front of my team. Oopsie. <laughs> but luckily, like, I'm off the clock, luckily it was just a couple of the other engineers mm. and they didn't care. It wasn't oh. any management or anything like that, but it was still like, it was still like, oh, don't make that mistake. <laughs> so, anyway. All right. Well, this has been Mark Williams with April Malone and Yes, I Work From Home, and we will see you next time. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. 